One second. Are you eating? There's a coconut macaroon here that was just put on my put beside me, and it's so tasty. God. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the sentence. You're thinking okay. of the sentence. All right. You're okay. good. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Choker Bros, a Final Fantasy podcast. I'm Lewis Penn, and I'm playing most of these games for the first time. And I'm your other host, Preston Doza. I've already played through most of these games over the years. Together, we're going to explore every Final Fantasy until Square Enix stops making these games, which probably won't happen. Every month, like a potato, slowly decaying in the back corner of your family's pantry, I'll delve a little deeper into the Final Fantasy universe. Then, Preston and I will talk about the games, what worked, what didn't, and what's going on behind the scenes. This episode, we're concluding our journey with Final Fantasy IV, a game with a really dumb plot twist at the end for no real reason. Preston, I remember playing this game when it first came out, and then I found out I was actually playing a totally different game, and the game was my brother, and then I lost my ability to talk for like three solid weeks. Well, that's what you get for being a Dark Knight and not a Paladin right from the start. Speaking of Dark Knights, let's talk about the entire Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. Let's not. (laughs) But first, we're going to talk about the final part of Final Fantasy IV. So, Lewis, where did we leave off last time? Or more specifically, where did you leave off last time? Okay, so first of all, I have some crow to eat because as you might have remembered last time, I was very annoyed at how little direction there was in terms of getting you to figure out that Sid was alive. You have to figure out that Sid is alive to progress the game. You just do. Mm -hmm. So if you talk to a few of the guards in the Dwarven Capital, they're totally like there is an unnamed bearded inventy fellow in the infirmary, which how many of those? Anyway, should have been multiple. It's like there should have just been like Sid, <laughs> and then there should have been Sod, for Cod, just a bunch of brother inventor guys. Yeah, it. all with like C, um, different vowel D yep. as a name. Yep. I love it. <laughs> Looking forward to meeting Cud. <laughs> so yeah, um, so you, so you find Cud and Cod and Sid, and thankfully they're able to jerry rig your ship. And that brings you to a cave I totally shouldn't have explored, but I did yep. to death. Mm-hmm. And then after the last podcast, Preston was like, you you really have to explore the one you're supposed to do. So I did that. <laughs> Thank God. And just to recap, like the whole time you're looking for the eighth crystal, which is a dark crystal and apparently is very important for getting to the moon. So the whole point of going into this cave is me and Kane and Rydia and Rosa and Edge. <laughs> We're all trying to get this. Crystal. Okay, you laughed. Why'd you laugh when you said Edge? Because I, I almost forgot about him. And there are some really funny moments throughout the game. Man, Edge never really gets to the point where he's not dying. Edge is always kind of dying. Like, even once I leveled him up. Is he, in your view, the most useless party member in the game? No, because but he's certainly the most useless towards the end. That's true. Because who is the most useless party member in the game? 
Oh, uh, Edward. Easily. Yes, easily. Like, um, <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll get back to Edward in a second. I was about to say, like, if you say that Edge is more useless than Edward, <laughs> buddy. So you're trying to get this last crystal before Golbez does. Because Golbez really needs this last crystal. Mm-hmm. Like, at this point, you're just basically playing uh, spoiler to Golbez's uh, attempt to kind of sneak into the playoffs as an eight seed. Yeah. You, you have no chance of getting in the playoffs yourself. You're just trying to, you know, stop him. So Golbez is one crystal short. And for whatever reason, you decide, I know, we'll get it. Except that he's just absolutely owned you every time you fought. Except for one time when a dude literally kills himself using Meteor. And, and Preston, you wanted to bring up kind of a cool thing that you found out about Tella, because as you remember, Tella sacrifices his life using Meteor to try to kill Golbez. It doesn't work, but there's a really neat aspect of the gameplay there, right? Yeah, so one of the things that uh, happens with Tella as you play him, he has access to a whole bunch of spells when you get him, not all of which he can cast. You have to level him up to get to it, but one of the spells that he can cast is Medio or Meteor, and it costs 99 MP to cast. The thing is, is that in-game, Tella's MP caps out at 90. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. only time he casts it in-game is when he uses it to sacrifice himself uh, to try to take out Golbez. Fails at it, because this is the type of game we're playing here. But <laughs> like from a mechanical point of view, in-game, he cannot cast a Meteor unless he literally dies, like drains out all of his like energy in order to use this one attack, which I think is really neat. It's a nice like integration between the gameplay and the story. It is. And I guess, I guess this is why the game doesn't allow you to cast below your MP level, because you could be like, you know, casting like a little cure two with exactly one MP less than you need. And suddenly you're, you're dead. You're out of white mages. Cause Rose is just gone. <laughs> but I'm curious, like how, how many MP does your life force get you? Do you think? Ooh, boy. Um, like an extra, like, five or so? Or is it, like, a one-time use? Is it kind of like... Well, it has to be a minimum of nine MP, because <laughs> his MP caps out at 90, so he needs that extra nine from his life force. Okay. I imagine there would be something like, hi, you could cast any spell you want, except you're going to die during it. It would be kind of funny if, like, if you had just leveled up Tella a little while longer, he would have been able to cast it without killing himself. And because you didn't grind long enough, Tella is uh, is dead now. <laughs> if you had, you need to spend six hours killing goblins, <laughs> or else Tella's gonna die. <laughs> yeah, uh, I hate to say this, but you know, um, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that for Tella. No, really, for not a big Tella fan. For some of the other, no, no, not for Edge either. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, so anyway, so to go back, you're looking for the eighth crystal, which obviously you go through the cave of far easier ness than the other cave. Mm-hmm. You find the crystal, and then uh, Golbez, of course, gets it from you. And this is what I love. Just before you get into that, this is what the entire game is for like 85% of it. It is, we need to stop Golbez. Ah, sh- we failed to stop Golbez. Better try again. Repeat forever and ever. It, it, it's actually, we need to stop Golbez. But first, let's do everything for him. Like, let's get the crystal for him. Let's get that crystal for him. Let's, uh, yeah, it's just, oh, and speaking of, and this is what I love here. As soon as you found the crystal, 
the way that Golbez gets it back from you is he re-mind controls Kane because, psych, Kane is actually still under Golbez's control. It was a fake out hours earlier. You thought that Kane was back in your party, but ha ha, joke's on you. And this is what I love, man. Because first of all, the, the whole reason they do this is so that you can get a different party member. But what it's really kind of trying to tell you is that Kane is exactly like a toaster. <laughs> and all Golbez needed to do is plug the toaster back in. It's not that the toaster didn't work anymore. It's just that Meteor caused the toaster to get unplugged. So once Golbez plugs it back in, bam, back to bread to toast, bread to toast. No Have you problem. tried unplugging it and plugging it back in again? <laughs> it's, it's, it's brilliant, man. It's brilliant. Is it brilliant? No, it's it's it? so dumb. So <laughs> we should really stick to saying like, if it's stupid, let's call it stupid because otherwise we'll just be like, ah, oh, that was brilliant. And people will go away thinking, oh, they actually thought it was a really clever thing when actually it was stupid. All right. Well, let me tell you about a brilliant plot point then. <laughs> to stop Colbez now, you have to summon a giant whale-shaped air- airship. Everyone loves a giant whale-shaped airship. Best kind of airship. Whale-shaped airship. Whale-shaped airship. That's actually kind of fun. Yeah. Whale-shaped, Whale-shaped airship. airship. Well, you know, I, I can save this for later, but my point is um, I totally missed a part of this game where you're actually supposed to explore the underworld a little better because there's something that doesn't make sense. So plot point that doesn't make sense coming up. I'm just going to throw that in here now. But first, let's get back to the whale-shaped airship because you get these like old dudes together and they summon a whale-ship and it flies you to the moon. And at this point... Mm-hmm you're at this point everyone's on drugs why is everyone on drugs well first of all you're you're driving a whale-shaped airship to the moon second of all you get to the moon and you should see the kind of things you have to fight the least weird thing are like these sludgy two-eyed bizarro creatures like there are two places you can go on the moon one takes a while to get to and then it's like four-ish floors and then you get to the very end and the guy says, you haven't talked to the king yet. <laughs> I was livid. The second place is basically not even a dungeon. You just walk into a cave and you meet Fasoya. And so um, that's the way I didn't go first. Uh, point is, I was on the moon for a while before I figured out where to go. I could just imagine you of. wandering around on the oh, moon. Yeah. Continuing going like, what am I looking for yeah. here? And the enemies like kind of, they're kind of annoying. They're all kind of annoying. So anyway, you end up with Fasoya, who I've, I've realized sounds a little bit like a shout in Skyrim, his name. What would Fasoya do as a shout in Skyrim? Let's go on this tangent. He would probably... Summons a whale-shaped airship. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. No, he, he'd probably sleep for like 2,000 years. Yeah. So turns out Fasoya is your uncle. So it turns out Cecil is from the moon. He's from these moon people. And Fasoya is one of these moon people. Turns out he is Cecil's uncle, which is cool. Uh, Is was it cool? Uh, no. I feel like I just need to interject <laughs> with that. Like, do you think the moon people are that cool? I think really? I think the way they wanted this plot point to be interpreted is like, cool, Cecil's a moon guy. And it's like, oh, okay. Turns out that uh, these moon people really wanted to go to Earth and, and party, but, you know, there are too many people on Earth and they're like, ah, we don't trust that, which is actually the reason I think that aliens haven't contacted us. It's because they're just too smart. Yeah, that's... That actually makes a lot of sense, right? Like it, it yeah. just, it just, it just kind of checks out. That's the explanation for Fermi's paradox. The aliens are too smart, yeah, to come to Earth. They, they, they know better. So anyway, so the Moon people decided, ah, eh, we're just gonna, we're just gonna chill up here for a while, except for one Moon person. The one Moon person who wanted to go to Earth, anyways, Zemus. 
and, and here we find out that Zemus is actually the bad guy, which is kind of how is he actually the bad guy? Well, he's actually the bad guy in that plot twist. He has been mind controlling Golbez, who is plot twist Cecil's brother. <sighs> okay, so let's break this down for a brief moment, and I think we need to take this. What, what's so? What's confusing? We, we about need to take that? this into two parts: one, talking about the brother aspect, and two, talking about how Zemus is the actual bad guy. Let's start with the brother aspect. <laughs> okay. Okay, I guess. Yeah. It, like the best thing by far to come out of that plot twist is that Cecil has a new catchphrase. Which, Preston, when you see a dot, dot, dot on the screen, what do you assume is going on there? I think it is either a moment of introspection or I am a brooding, somber hero who must not speak. Can I propose a third option, which I actually want just I just want you to picture this. Okay. Okay. Have you ever seen the movie Zoolander? Like years ago. Okay. Do you know what? Do you know what the blue ice face is? I was. I had a. I had a horrible feeling in my head <laughs> that that's what you're leaning towards. So what you're saying is that in if you see dot 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 in video game dialogue <laughs> or any sort of like dialogue or text, yeah. what they're actually doing yep. is the blue ice face from blue Zoolander. Ice face from Zoolander. Yes. That Ben Stiller, he's been working on it the whole time and he finally busted it. It's been a while since I've seen Zoolander. I think it's the blue eyes face. Okay. Or blue eyes. Now I want, now I need to ask yeah. you something. Why did you think of this? Well, because this becomes Cecil's dialogue for the rest of the game. It, it like, there are all these points. Not all of the dialogue. Almost, Not all almost dialogue. literally all the dialogue. There's like a part where, uh, Cecil is sitting there with um, with Rosa and like Edge and all of them, and it's like Cecil, and then Rosa goes Cecil, and then Cecil, and then Edge Cecil and Cecil. It's like an entire like (laughs) as the dialogue they left in the game. I guess is what blows my mind the most. That the dialogue is just dot, dot, dot. I mean, that is like, it is annoying that it appears so much. But at the same time, that's not answering my question of why did you think up Zoolander when you saw this? Because I think this game would be so much funnier if you imagine Cecil as Ben Stiller as a, a male model. Okay, we're going to skip a few games here. Doesn't Cloud also go dot, dot, dot a lot in Final Fantasy VII? Okay, not nearly as much as Squall does in eight. But we've just established that if anyone goes dot, 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 they make the Zoolander face. I think that we should, I think we should roll it out, man. I think, this is good. I think this is good. Just Zoolander meets Final Fantasy in the best possible way. So that's the one plot point. The other one is that Zemus is the actual bad guy, um, which... Like actually sucks as a plot point you know you, you rag on final fantasy 7 all you will but it had the decency to give you a bad guy that turned out to actually be the bad guy at the end that's fine like i think six i'm okay with too. that six, six the bad guy turns out to be the bad guy the only other one that i'm thinking of is like nine does a similar thing well nine like, is nine uh, is a throwback game in a lot of ways so, <laughs> so yeah throwback so, to okay. a terrible bait and switch bad guy plot like Golbez is a decent villain by himself i suppose mostly because like he's had a presence yeah and he has been a thorn in the party's side zemus is just like some dude who's there at the end it's like haha it was me all along and 
the rest and the party's just staring at him going like okay who are you why should i care right really? so i actually have a i actually have an analogy for zemus because zemus really isn't in this at all and then you go down to earth so i just want to pull this back we're going to shelf that analogy for zemus because i think it's a good one we go down to earth and find out that no one is actually dead because <laughs> <Just> one exception, <laughs> which I think is, well, t- tell is dead. The old guy, dead, yeah, which, definitely is, which is really funny actually, because Palom and Purim turns out they're not dead. They were revived from petrification. Sid, we already know is not dead. Edward is sadly still alive. And Yang was saved by these like magical fairy people. That was the thing that you're su- you're supposed to figure that out because you're supposed to explore the underworld, and I just didn't. So you go there later, and they're all talking about Yang, and I'm like, I started putting it two and two together. I'm like, oh, these are the guys. These are the ones I was supposed to. I was supposed to <laughs> just totally didn't. So everyone's alive. Yeah, except for Tella. Except for Tella. <laughs> Literally everyone else. Like, you do need to add that. Everyone's alive except for Tella, asterisk. Maybe maybe it's Tella's genes because his daughter dies too, and she's also dead. So I guess it's just the two of them who die. They're the, I was about to say they're the only people in Final Fantasy IV who die. It's Tella's family and also that village you magically nuked at the beginning of the oh, game. Oh yeah, no, no, Rydia's uh, parents and entire hometown is definitely dead yeah. too. That's true. Mm-hmm. My bad. So they're all fighting this giant, and you're like, we got this, guys. So we fly into the giant's mouth. Um, we find the four fiends, <laughs> and I like this because they're like, we learned from your friendship that working together is better than going one at a time, so we're all going to fight you together. And you're like, that seems logical. <laughs> and then they all take turns fighting you one by one, <laughs> <laughs> which like, it's such, I, I know what they're going for, and I know that coding it would have been difficult, but it's so funny to be like, we're going to work together. You go Can you see how big their art is? Can you imagine having four of them on the screen at the same time? It would have been the highlight Super of the Nintendo game. Nintendo would have broke. <laughs> yes, this is true. So anyway, so you kill the giant, and that helps break Golbez's... Uh, it helps break his brainwashing. Now he's like, oh, I remember. I'm your brother. Oops, now I'm going to go off to the moon and kill Zemus. Kane is now out of Golbez's curse, and Golbez is out of Zemus's curse. So Kane is now like super free and easy. Um, so you kind of like, you know, make good with Kane, right? Still with me? Yes, I'm still with you. Okay, cool. So um, you, you basically tell Kane, Kane's like, I don't think I should go to the moon with you. And you're like, dude, we have like an open party spot right now. And if you don't snag it, like Sid is going to snag it. And you turn around and there's like this, you know, gap toothed creep running towards you. And so he's like, yeah, okay, okay I understand. You all jump in the airship. You <laughs> just don't want Sid in the party. <laughs> you cannot yeah, inflict yeah. Sid onto someone else. Listen, dude, like, I just, I mean, it could have been worse. Could have been Edward. You decide to all jump on the whale ship and then you look to the women. And I found this hilarious mm-hmm. because Cecil breaks out of his sort of like funk to tell the women to stay home because it's too dangerous for them. Uh, and when he does that, I was sitting there like, I've been running the numbers, Cecil, and there is no chance. Without your white mage and your black mage, there is no chance. You, you're just like a sponge for damage. That's all you do. You just sponge damage. The real damage that's dealt and is like healed and stuff, that's going on in the back lines. So thankfully, um, 
Thankfully, that banishment doesn't take. The women stow away and they end up on the moon with you. And you all go off to fight Zemus. And here's the analogy. Are you ready for this? Mm -hmm. So the other day, Priya and I decided to finally get a Roomba. We've been thinking about it for a while because we got a dog and she sheds like crazy. And it's like a never-ending battle. So we're like, let's get a Roomba. And fun fact, this iRobot Roomba can be turned on from anywhere. I can be in France and I can hit Roomba and this thing will go in, in Roomba, okay. right? It's the button actually named Roomba and it's just push button to Roomba. Basically, basically. So the, so the other day I'm in London because I go to school in London, but we live in Hamilton. And I decided to hit Roomba just for fun. And I set it for like an hour and a half, right? And I don't think anything of it. An hour and a half later, I get a little on my phone and I look down and it's like the Roomba has finished its job. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess I did tell the Roomba to do that. So here's, so here, here's my analogy. Preston Zemus is me. Golbez is the Roomba that he set off to just kind of clean up earth and kind of forgot about. Lewis, do you remember last episode where I said, we're going to need to stop with the analogies. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I have. But, uh, I've thought about it. Anyway, so the point is... He, oh, yeah, you sure did, <laughs> judging by what you just <laughs> explained for the past minute. So so you all get back to the moon. Zemus is there and, you know, Golbez and uh, and Fasoya. Oh, yeah, Fasoya left your party. He's he's hanging out yeah. with his, his nephew. Gotta make room for Kane. You can only have five people at any time. Yeah, yeah. Unless this is the Game Boy Advance version, in which case, at this point in the game, you can actually swap out party members. Oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't realize you could. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the things that was added to the Game Boy Advance version. I believe you can switch between every other. You could bring Edward to your party if you want. <laughs> why would you? Like, why would you do that? Don't do that. Hard mode, Edward. But yeah, you can switch between um, Sid, Edward, Palamporan, or Yang. It, the only character you can't switch with is Tella because, as we said before, Tella's he's dead. dead. So, so there's a there's a pretty cool showdown. Fosoya and Golbez kill Zemus. Well, the five other party members kind of look on like, oh, okay. And then Philosophy Zemus is born from the ashes of Zemus and wipes the floor with Fasoya and Gold. Is it actually called Philosophy Zemus? Or are you just making that name up? <laughs> well, no, yeah, no. It's technically it's Zero Miss, but it's like the meta Zemus. It's like the energy that Zemus had was so powerful that it kind of became its own thing. Okay. Um, but I think Philosophy Zemus is the funnier way to think of it. All so right. That, that's how I Philosophy Zemus is not. The boss's real name, just to be clear. <laughs> Are we sure? Anyway, so so you fight Philosophy Zemus. Um, there's a really funny moment where, like, your whole party gets destroyed. And then, like, and I know this is the last dungeon. This is the guy. I've gone around and gotten all these different summons and I've exhausted every bit of dialogue. This is it. All your party members are, like, dead. And the, the, the I guess the moon goes dark. And then you start to, you see like a vision of these people you remember from Earth, like Karate Master Yang and Tella and Palom and Porum and Edward. And, and they're all like giving you their strength. And one by one, you revive to full health. Basically, they're pulling off a spirit bomb. It's a really cool moment. The issue is right towards the end, Golbez 
gives you this crystal. He says, you have to use this. This will help you kill philosophy Zenos. <laughs> Except there's so much that happens between him giving you the crystal and all of you, your guys reviving and stuff that this battle goes down and Zero Mess is sitting there and he's like evil and just being evil. And no matter what you do to him, you can't hit him. But he also doesn't hit you back, which led to a 15-minute standoff with me trying everything <laughs> I could because I'm like, what? How do, what am I missing here? <laughs> totally not realizing that this crystal's sitting in my inventory and you have to use it to set off the final battle. And otherwise it's just like you're two you're both staring at each other and nothing happens. Just nothing's happening. And I'm trying everything and I'm like exhausting all of my MP and I'm like, why is like how is what am I supposed to do? And there's this guy on the other side that's just looking evil. Yeah, it was a really kind of funny moment that sort of undercut the coolness of everybody saving your life. So anyway, at that point, I'm so leveled up that it was kind of a trivial fight. How tough was the final boss? The bosses in Final Fantasy IV are actually pretty easy compared to all of the enemies on the main map. They can't really combine attacks like enemies can. There are a couple enemies that are really, they're really well put together, these fights, because like one enemy will be petrifying your guys or entangling your guys, which will be lowering the actions you have. So you have to manage like pulling your guys back up to reinitiate those actions versus also hitting these bad guys. Like so the, the battles on the main maps were way harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only boss that I really had a bit of trouble with was when you get into the giants that you're supposed to kill kind of on earth there. There's a CPU at the end of it. Ah uh, yes, the CPU. Actually a pretty tough boss because he hits you for a lot of damage. And he keeps reviving these things that heal him. Mm -hmm. So the CPU was actually a difficult fight. And it was, I would say, easily the hardest in the game. Philosophy Zemus was not a hard fight. Philosophy Zemus, you tried, but you couldn't stop Lewis. Couldn't couldn't stop me, man. I I, uh, I metaphysicked your... (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So... So, at this point, you're like, this is a really funny moment. The game's over now, but there's a real, one last funny moment where Cecil's still not talking. He's still shaken by this realization that Golbez is his brother. Like, the other party members are like, Fasoya, Golbez, what are you going to do? And they're like, oh, we're going to stay on the moon because, like, we tried Earth and uh, all of our suspicions were correct. So, they start walking away and, like, Cecil's not saying anything to Golbez. And uh, I want you to think of that blue ice face. Because Edge goes, Cecil, this is your chance. And then Rosie goes, Cecil, you've got to say something. And Cecil goes, and then Golbez goes, "Uh, I'm leaving now forever. See you later. And he starts walking away in that way that like, you know, your friend starts walking away, even though they want you to follow kind of thing you know, you know what i'm talking mm-hmm. about and so finally cecil goes wait 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 brother and that's like the whole interaction uh, and then everyone lives happily ever after everybody literally everybody hey. gets the best possible ending except for tella uh except for well yeah tella's dead as is his daughter mm-hmm. um and the guy who kills his daughter totally gets away so we can say that <laughs> tella had a really unsuccessful game 
on the other hand, um, pretty much all of the men either return to their wives or score, including Palum, who's just like straight up talking up like a village chick, you know, in, in the epilogue. Uh, Cecil ends up marrying Rosa. Of course they do. Yay. Turns out that Edge is really into Rydia, which is like a fun little shoehorny thing at the end. But like, thankfully, it's not Cecil being into Rydia. She's still like eight, right? Yeah. Yeah, she is. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, um, so everyone lives happily ever after. That's that's Final Fantasy IV. Yeah. It's, it's a happy game. Cecil and Rosa become king and queen of Baron. Yeah. Edward goes off in his king. Oh, yeah. Like Edward becomes a king. I think. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry to the people who live <laughs> under Edward. Yeah. Dude, as soon as the going gets tough, that guy is running mm-hmm. away. He is using the hide ability and being useless in battle. Yeah. Like one, one subpar crop. And you're going to be like, where did Edward go? Uh, Edward? Anyway, good game. Do you want to take a quick break and then we'll kind of wrap it? Yeah, let's take a very short break. Okay, we're back with Choco Bros, a Final Fantasy journey. Just finished Final Fantasy IV. Uh, Preston, first of all, I'm going to ask you... What do you remember from this game? What did you like about this game? Kind of like now that you've had some time to let it percolate, what are you what are you feeling? It's been a while since I've played it, but over the years, what I've always thought about with Final Fantasy IV is just how foundational it is for what's to come. It's the first instance where we get the active time battle system. It's the first time where the game is really going for like an epic story or the first game in the series that's going for an epic story, I should say, and kind of succeeding on that front. I think the first half of the game is better than the second half. And that final twist of with haha, Golbez isn't the villain does sour me on the ending a fair bit. Yeah. But overall, like I like, I like this game. It's the first game where I could sit in the series where I could say, this is good. Like, capital G, good. It holds up. Yeah, I think that it certainly takes the best parts of the first three games and puts them together. Mm -hmm. Maybe with the exception of the job system from three. Yeah, but we'll be getting to that very shortly. Sure. I, I will say that the inclusion of the four dark crystals to go with the four light crystals didn't really, I didn't really love that. It was fine. Just a couple extra MacGuffins at the end of the day, really. Yeah. I I just, I found, I found a lot of the plot points in this game to be kind of, it didn't flow as well as it could, but overall, overall, the plot is easily the best. The characters are easily the best. And of the first four games, I know that some people are like, ooh, the first one's the best. It's like, <laughs> no, it's, okay. no, it's who, not. Who are, these, who are these people who say the first one's the best? Oh, that's true. Yeah. No, you know Did what? Did you just make up a guy? Yeah. I just I just created a straw man you, argument. You just made up a guy to get angry at I, I've I've met I've met the enemy, and it is me. It's a really enjoyable experience. Like, faults be damned, really. And there are a number of faults, as we've discussed over the course of our playthrough of this. Yeah, um, It is the first game in the series where I think that 
the technology itself let down the best version of the game. Hmm. In the first three games, you get the sense that even with better better tech, it's not like the games themselves are going to get a heck of a lot better. Whereas with this one, I think especially when it came to the uh, equipment system, where it came to a lot of the, you know, like I know this game's been remade a lot, and I think there's a reason Hmm. for that. Yeah, like I played the DS remake of it, which does have better technology um, than... Well, obviously has better technology than the Super Nintendo version. Like it has 3D graphics, it has full motion cutscenes. Though I would say even with like that upgrade tech, I mean, because it's a remake, they're not going to like add in all the stuff they cut or like rework things heavily. This game did have one mechanic, and I think this is a fun one to talk about. Okay. Because as much as I hated Edge, the dart mechanic, which is basically throw. And this is the first time we see it in a Final Fantasy game. And to explain what that is, you take something that you have in your inventory and you throw it at the enemy. This would have been the first appearance of throw in a North American release of Final Fantasy because it was, or actually no, no, FF3 Ninja was only in uh, the 3D remake. So no, this would have been the first one. You're right. Really cool. Yeah. It's also called throw in Japanese. It's just called dart for whatever reason on the Super Nintendo version. Yeah. Which makes it zero sense. It should be throw. Preston, here's my question. You're sitting at your computer in your apartment right now? Yes, I am. Okay. Ooh, a goblin just ran out of the kitchen. What are you going to throw at the goblin and how much damage does it do? Um, I'm going to throw this um, glass of water that's easily within reach. The water's not going to do shit unless it has a weakness to water, which would be weird. Um, But the glass might do like two points of damage, maybe five if it shatters. It's a shame you don't have a sword to throw at it because... Towards the end of the game, <laughs> towards the end of the game, Edge can literally take all of the swords that you've been like stockpiling in your inventory and just start chucking them at enemies. You don't get the swords back; you can't retrieve them. He just throws stuff. That's what throws for, yeah. But after the bit, be- it's often a powerful ability. It, it, it mean, it's kind of powerful. It, it's not that powerful though, especially given what you're you're giving up, which is like. I don't know. The weapon itself. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're throwing an entire sword. Yeah. Anyway. I guess the biggest, heaviest thing. I I got one. I got one more for you. One more for you here, Preston. All right. Okay. You're in the supermarket. I want you to picture yourself in the supermarket. Do you have a basket? Do you have like a cart? What are you rolling with? Okay. To reveal my grocery shopping habits, I usually have carry a basket. Carry a basket. He's got the basket. What's in that basket, Preston? Why why am I humoring this? God help me. Tomatoes? No. Carrots? No. Are you just going to suggest food items until I eventually say yes to it? Here, I'll have some. Dinner rolls? I'll have something for you. Uh, I'll have a loaf of bread. How about that? Okay, okay. So Preston, you got a basket, loaf of bread. You're in the grocery store. You can hear the cheesy music and you know coming from the rafters. You hear a little... Are you purposefully, like, humming Walk of Life because this is me we're talking about? Yes, precisely because it's you. So what I'm trying to say is you're in your grocery grocery store happy place, right? (laughs) Okay, okay. And suddenly... 
And suddenly, an adversary. An adversary? An adversity. An adversary? An adversary comes popping out of aisle five. All right, for the sake of this right? argument, it's gonna, for the sake of this imaginary situation, I'm picturing it's you at the moment. Okay, okay, it's me. So here's my question for you. <laughs> Which ability from Final Fantasy IV do you hope you have at your disposal in order to use to get out of the situation? Black magic so I could cast Meteor and that way I can end it all. <laughs> okay, okay. What about, where would, where would Dart be? Like are you- pretty high up there because I would like hypothetical situation. This happens in the grocery store, and it's you, man. I would like to throw something at you at that. Grab point. that loaf of bread from your basket and just fire. Like, I probably have like ball of olive oil or like uh, some other thing that would deal more damage if like there was a chance I could experience a random encounter in the Loblaws. Preston, you're throwing that bottle of olive oil at me. It hits me soaks my Italian hair, runs down my Italian face. You've just powered me up, baby. We're deleting this. Holy shit. We're deleting this entire section from the podcast. It's never coming up again. God help me, please. Do you have any other questions about Final Fantasy IV? Preston, what's your top five? What's your top five power rankings? We're not doing it, it, okay? And here's, actually, no, here's the top five best moments. It is top five deaths in the the game. Oh, we could do that. And we're starting with, and this is just instinct, I'm not waiting. Um, Number five and number four tied Palimporum. Number three, um, it's uh, Yang. Number two, it's Sid, mostly because I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> and number one is Tella, because obviously okay. we talked about him enough. To be honest, I think that's a really that's a really solid list. Yes, I came up with it in as I was saying it. It was just instinct. Amazing. So yes. number four and five, Palam and Purim. Actually useful death. Three, Yang, I guess. Two, Sid, because you get rid of that sprite, thank God. And number one. Tella, because. Time to Michio, your maker. And with that, thank you for listening to Choker Bros. I'm not giving you any other chance to make another pun. <laughs> I mean, we could just end it here. <laughs> as much as there's a part of me that wants to, we got one last thing before we do. So, overall, Lewis. One sentence, tell me, what did you think about Final Fantasy IV? No jokes, no anything like that. Honest opinion. Would have been better as a 10-part miniseries, but I'm glad that Final Fantasy is trending in this direction. All right. There's a lot of plot. There is a lot of plot. There is a lot of plot that goes by very quickly. Mm-hmm. With barely any time to actually, like, digest what is happening. Yeah. Which is okay. Yeah. I also get why there's an after years because like, oh. I know, I know we don't have to talk about We're, it, oh. but like most of the characters are still alive at the end of this. Oh. And like, yeah, I get that. I'm sorry. It's just, you said after years and I was filled with a sense of disgust because that is in all honesty, the worst, one of the worst things with final fantasy attached to its name. I'm excited to play it. No, you shouldn't be. It is awful. <laughs> Thank you.
That's all for the ninth episode of Choker Bros, a Final Fantasy journey. Thanks for tuning in to our playthrough of Final Fantasy IV, and be sure to tune in next month when we start playing through Final Fantasy V. If you like this podcast, share it with your friends. And as always, if you didn't like this podcast, keep it to yourself. One day we'll fly a plane over your hometown with cassette tapes, each containing exactly half an episode of our podcast, and until then, you'll just have to stream it. In all seriousness, please share the podcast and let us know what you think about it. Find us on Twitter at Chocobros Podcast and wherever podcasts exist. I'm Lewis, and I've grown a whole new appreciation for the moon. I'm Preston, and I haven't. And this is Chocobros. I'm sitting in my uh, in my my wife's parents' house in their basement, and my wife's parent my, my wife's dad has a bar, so I have a lot of options at my disposal. Just the top shelf, I have Jack Daniels, Appleton Estate. I don't think Woodford Reserve. Are you implying? Are you implying that different alcohols have different would deal different damage? <laughs> okay, even better question. Could you imagine a game where the alcohol content was the amount of damage that was done? Oh. But it would have to be based God. on like the amount here. So like there's like a uh a 1.75 liter bottle of Grey Goose vodka <laughs> sitting behind the bar. Why are you considering so this? So I guess question, that would be like... the thing that I would want to throw at the goblin who comes running out of the kitchen, right?